Welcome to Beyond Our Focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver About the Wastelands. You the, you're gonna hit me in the face. Maybe, you, you never know. The, <laughs> this is only the third novel, correct? Yes, yeah. the third, third novel. novel of the Dark Tower series. We're in the fifth chapter. No, we're in the sixth chapter. I'll figure it out. One. Called Riddles and Wasteland. It is, what is the this book two? final chapter okay. of the book. Today we'll be ending the book. Yay! So that'll be good. Today is also May 6th, Yay. 2019. 19. No, stop lying. It's, 20, it's 2020. 19. So. So you're saying it's the year of the tower. The year of the tower. Anyway, conveniently so going through. The, this is the day that, you know, the last day of December we find the dark tower. But we, will, we won't find the dark tower this year. <laughs> we won't do it. There's too many books between this and that. There's no way we'll get there by the end of the year. At least I don't think we will. I'm just saying, by the end of this year, we apparently have to go on a journey for the Dark Tower. It's 19. We have to. Yeah. It's the only. This the only year we'll find it. Good luck. I wouldn't even know where to begin. Look, I don't. I don't see the path of the bee. <laughs> so. Anyways, riddle and wasteland. Alright, Roland said, tell me his riddle. Yeah, tell me his riddle. There we go, that's where we are. Yep, 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 <laughs> yep. I'm like, we are? haven't even started. We're clearly the first lines usually first. Just... No, I was trying to remember where we were in like oh. the story-wise. The, yeah, they're currently standing on... This is right after Roland came up through the floor. And yeah. They're all chillaxing. So they're at the station, or the cradle, and they're all standing in front of a gate. Because we ended with... The man in black and home dude. Yeah, it's it's weird. So, so the quartet is standing in front of the panel, pretty much, that controls the gate. And they're trying to figure out Blaine's riddle. To which Eddie immediately, even though Roland has asked a question, Eddie's like, can we help these people? Blaine has threatened to release a gas that's going to kill everybody. And Eddie wants to know, can we do anything? The answer is no. No. No, we cannot. But we may be able to do something for ourselves. Now, once again, what is this riddle? They say it somewhere here. He said we'd have to prime the pump to get him going. Only his pump primes backward. Does it mean anything to you? Roland thought it over carefully, then shook his head. He looked down at Jake. Any ideas, Jake? I don't even see a pump. So yes, there's the, the they're thinking way too literally about this apparently. Yeah, I mean, I never would have gotten this. I, just, no, I mean, I would no. not have correlated the two died. at all. I would have died immediately. I mean, good for Susanna here. Good for her using her her mind to go to think back in olden days about a conversation with her father, and then she needs Roland to hypnotize her for the remember what's going on. And yes, she can't. She can't remember exactly what it is. She can barely remember it. So she pretty much is like... Says, uh, I know the answer, but I can't get it. It's stuck in my mind the way a fishbone can get stuck in your throat. I need you to help me remember. Not his face, but his voice. What he said. 
So yeah, Roland does his uh, funny, fun hypnotizing thing, Ooh, or his little haven't seen bullet since, trick. We really haven't seen it since the drawing. Yeah, I mean he doesn't I have a. I know. Did he? Did I? Did he didn't hypnotize anyone in the drawing? Did he? Well, I don't think he hypnotized anyone in the last book. Yeah, so it had the first one. Yeah, when he well, I mean it's not something. Kick. He's not going around just having hypnotize everybody in oh. the brothers. Yes, but he can easily get information that way. Okay. He can. He can. In this particular instance, it's the best way to get this information. To which both, when he starts doing that, Jake immediately looks away because he knows what's going to happen. And he knows he's he doesn't need to be the one hypnotized. And then Eddie, of course, is he doesn't realize that he's slowly being drawn to it, but then he's like, nope, 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 nope. And so he turns away as well. And everyone's kind of in this just really quiet moment. Except for good old Blaine, who yes. just keeps reminding him, hey, baby, y'all guys, you, you don't got long left. Yes. Six minutes, my friends. Just out of nowhere. Because they've been asked, they've tried, I think, to ask him another question at one point. Because they said, uh, they came to the conclusion that it had to do something with opening the gates. And so they're, bla- they're like, Blaine, are we even getting close? And he doesn't say anything. Hey, it's a riddle. You figure it out yourself. He ain't giving me no hints. So just out of nowhere, this six minutes, and everyone's like, oh, we forgot you were there for a minute. He's always there. <laughs> so, yeah, we get we get deep hypnotized there, and lo and behold. <laughs> Someone we, else comes out to play. Yeah, we get we get to meet. Hello, hello, Dada. How are yeah. you doing? Her dialogue is... I can barely read her dialogue. It's hard. It's hard. <laughs> Sometimes it's real hard. You just... Uh, and she explains how Detta was always real bad with math. No, it was Odetta. No, I mean, that's what I meant. Yeah. I mean, Odetta's real bad with math. But Detta herself, real good with math. Got her through math. Yes. Apparently it was Detta that just carried them through it. To which we learn about those uh, four special numbers. Yes. Those uh, prime numbers. And how to figure out prime numbers. So yes, we get a nice little math lesson here about finding prime numbers. Like first you do this, then you take out all the even numbers except two. And then you go, oh, no, multiples of three have to go. And then... Well, you just just keep working your way up the numbers, basically. And And it will get get rid of all of them. Which is pretty nifty. Something I never thought of. Based off his riddle, I never would have said I just about just in general how to oh. find these prime numbers like oh, okay. this particular the manner. Net, yeah, because I remember going over prime numbers. Yeah. I'm like, okay, prime numbers. I know what prime numbers are, but didn't know this fancy special, this fancy way of like from one to one hundred about finding all the prime numbers in that little area. It's nifty. I feel like we were taught something like this in school, hmm. but could I remember it now? <laughs> no. Not Maybe hypnotized to no. find out what it was? No. Yeah, I would have had to, I would have been in Susanna's boat and would have had to have been hypnotized. Yes. And then even then, it would have been a stretch. If you remember, we had a diamond shape of numbers. Yes. that we got, we got told about it was a keypad, basically. A diamond shape of numbers. And that's what they have to figure out. I, I don't even know if you can see that. It may, it may not. There's no if telling. It, it like might just be a white, white book. <laughs> um, so... So I've got all these this this way of finding the numbers, and she takes what some charcoal or something yes, from Roland. Yes, he, he the charcoal. Yeah. And she starts taking the numbers out. Yeah, taking the numbers out to reveal all the prime numbers that are left. And while she's doing this, she's slowly coming out of the hypnosis. Like Roland does not even have to bring her back. Susanna 
has already started pulling herself back to the forefront to until she's the one talking and scratching everything out. And she's like, I understood it about in the middle, but I let her continue to talk. I didn't, felt it would be rude to interrupt her. <laughs> let Dada have her, one of her last little limelights here. You have one minute, my friends. You are proving to be a good deal thicker than I had hoped you would be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 50 <laughs> seconds. Yes, you try the combination, Susanna. It's your answer. She reached out towards the top of the diamond, but Jake put his hand over hers. No, he said. This pump primes backwards, remember? Yeah, I was laughing and he was just screw up. Yeah. Started with a screw up right there. Let's start with one. No, we have Thank to start you, with 97. Thank you so much, Jake. <laughs> yes. You 97, 89, 83, 79, 73, and so forth. Jesus. Yes, so forth, yes. How, how is that a combination to anything? I mean, just get into the gates. I feel like this was the combination that Blaine has now set for himself to be a riddle. Because otherwise, this is ridiculous to get on the train. Like, did you, I, I assume the gates would have been open anyways just for normal <sighs> traffic. But still, this is a, what, 1, 2, 3, 5, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27 number pen. It's a bit much. And these, they're not just single digits. These are two digits, so. It's a little much. It's a little much. <laughs> so thank you, Jake, for pointing that out. Because yes. otherwise you guys would have been fried. Or blown up, however whatever you want to say it. Not bad at all, Blaine said admirably. I'm looking forward to this very much. May I suggest you climb on board quickly, in fact. You are quickly. In fact, you may wish to run. There are several gas outlets in this area. Like, you able to go on this, this train real quick, or you're going to die anyway. So, yes, they book it. They get onto the train, and the interior, of course, is pink, and then the carpets are blue. Like uh, a. I find it super interesting how they start this, the next little paragraph. Three human beings. Yes. One carrying a fourth in his hip. And one small furry animal ran through the opening in the barrier. It's just like, like, so why? Just a weird way to start that off. Not, not let's not call by names. Not the cockhead. Not anything. Not anything. Just human beings. Human beings. Yeah, but. And almost calling Susanna not even human. Yeah. Three human beings, one carrying a fourth on his hip. Yeah, a fourth human being. I know, but still, it's, it states three human beings, and then said there's a fourth on the hip. And says yeah. four human beings, but three human beings are running. It's weird. Yeah, I was it, to it, say, it's, it's just if a you weird put statement. Three human beings and one small furry animal ran. Then it, she's not running. She's technically on his hip. I know. It's just the weirdest way to start this off. That was all. I read it like that's so odd to put it this way. That's fine. Welcome to Blaine, a soothing voice said as they pelted aboard. They all recognized that voice. It was a slightly louder, slightly more confident version of Little Blaine. Praise the Imperium. Please make sure your transit card is available for collection, and remember that false boarding is a serious crime punishable by law. 
We hope you enjoy your trip. Welcome to Blaine. Praise the Imperium. Please make sure your transit card. The voice suddenly sped up, first becoming the chatter of a human chipmunk, and then a high-pitched gabbly whine. There was a brief electronic curse, boop, and then it cut out entirely. I think we can dispense with that boring old crap, don't you? Blaine said. Yeah, and then there's a, a big explosion outside. Until that moment, Eddie had held onto desperate, on the desperate notion that Blaine's threat about the poison gas was no more than a sick joke. You should have known better, he thought. Anyone who thinks impressions of old movie actors is funny absolutely cannot be trusted. I, I, really? First <laughs> off, he does them all the time. <laughs> Second off, it just reminded me of... Uh, the character from It. Um, was it Eddie? No. Was it Eddie? I, I don't remember their names very well from that. I've only seen the movie once. I definitely don't remember the kids' no, names. No, no, it wasn't Eddie because that was the one that was had asthma because they called him Eddie Spaghetti. It was the one who called him Eddie Spaghetti. I don't know. He was played by Seth Green in the original one. And then he was played by um, the kid from Stranger Things in the new one. I cannot help you here. This is all you. I I'm so sorry. No information to help you with this one. I enjoyed the movie. You talk about names and stuff. Mm, beyond me at the moment. Why can't I? Yeah, okay, anyways. So then we get a description of what the inside of yeah. the lane looks yes, like. Yes, we do. Nice, long description. Yeah. So he's a very, very fancy mono... And he has even, it has a chandelier that Jake realized looks like a miniature version from the mansion he was in. Or like the haunted creepy place. But it says, uh, nor did this surprise him. He had begun to take such connections and doublings as a matter of course. The only thing about this splendid room which seemed wrong was its lack of even a single window. And then they have the ice sculpture. Yup, the ice sculpture. The centerpiece of the room here. This beautiful ice sculpture up front. Of a gunslinger. Um, Not only of a gunslinger. <laughs> this is an ice sculpture practically almost identical to Roland in every way. Down to missing the correct fingers on his hand. And this was him having... I had to work rather fast, I'm afraid, Blaine said, modestly. Does anyone... Does it do anything for you? It absolutely amazing, Susanna said. Thank you, Susanna of New York. To which Eddie is more interested in, you know, this, how soft the cushions are. So he starts poking at the cushion and then it's like, The great old ones really traveled in style, didn't they? Blaine laughed again, and the shrill, not-quite-sane undertone of that laugh made them look at each other uneasily. Don't get the wrong idea, Blaine said. This was the barony cabin, what I believe you would call first class. Were there other cars? Or where are the other cars? Blaine ignored the question. He ignores a lot of questions. Yes. I don't feel like answering. You're not going to get anything. Please take your seats, my interesting new friends. Friends is a really strong word. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a real strong word for what these people are. Exactly where are we going, Blaine? Along the path of the beam, 
At least as far along it is as my track goes. To the Dark Tower? Roland asked. Susanna realized it was the first time the gunslinger had actually spoken to the loquacious ghost in the machine below. Only as far as Topeka, Jake said in a low low voice. Yes, Blaine said. Topeka is the name of my terminating point, although I am surprised you know it. Mm-hmm. With all you know about our world, Jake thought, how come you don't know that some lady wrote a book about you, Blaine? Was it the name change? Was something that simple enough to fool a complicated machine like you into overlooking your own biography? Biography. And what about Beryl Evans, the woman who supposedly wrote Charlie the Choo-Choo? Did you know her, Blaine? And where is she now? Good questions, but Jake somehow didn't think this would be a good time to ask them. Probably not. No, let's, let's, let's not. To which Susanna remembers her wheelchair is still on the cradle. Yeah, that's gone now. <laughs> Goodbye, wheelchair. And so they go on their way. And he put an arm around her shoulder. Too late now, babe, he said, as Blaine the Mono began to move, sliding towards its slot in the cradle for the first time in ten years, and for the last time in its long, long history. The bear knee cabin... Hmm? I said foreshadowing. Always Yay. foreshadowing. He loves it too much. <laughs> the barony cabin has a particularly fine visual mode, Blaine said. Would you like me to activate it? Jesus. Jake glanced at Roland, who shrugged and nodded. Jo- Roland is extremely unimpressed. Yes. The entire time, other than his one little dark tower moment. Yeah. Just completely unimpressed with everything about this train. But anyway. Please, Jake said. What happened then was so spectacular that it stunned all of them to silence. Although Roland, who knew little of technology, but who had spent his entire life on comfortable terms with magic, was the least wonderstruck of the four. Like, ah, ah, it's just, I'm a, the train's just turning invisible. Yeah. That's not a big deal. An invisible train? See him all the time. Mm, no. So, no, yeah. no, 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 As we, to know. As I said, the whole train just, just turns invisible, basically. Okay. Apparently, the chairs and stuff they're on can still be seen. Yes. But not the floor. No. no. The, 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 I don't know, the, the ceiling, the walls, and, the, and the, the floor, completely invisible, erases its tracks beneath it, and you can just see everything, which is really cool, and at the moment, maybe not really not really no. that cool. At first, I mean, they're like, yeah, let's, this is amazing, look at what's around us, says, <laughs> of course, our little, um, tightrope climbing, height-loving Jake. Oh, yeah. He decides to get out of his chair and start walking, to which his, he had to will his mind to do, because his mind was pretty much screaming at him, dude, you're gonna fall. So he gets up and he's like, Eddie, you gotta look at this. And Eddie's like, dude, you're making me sick. Just just stop moving. Oi, freaked out. Yeah, yeah, but, uh, Poor guy, he doesn't understand what's going on. Uh, it's incredible, Susanna murmured. Her initial fear had passed and she was looking around eagerly. It's like being on a flying carpet. I keep expecting the wind to blow back my hair. 
I can provide that sensation if you like, Blaine said. Also, a little, a little moisture, which will match current outside conditions. It might necessitate a change of clothes, however. <laughs> That's all right, Blaine. There's such a thing as taking an illusion too far. Yeah, but I don't think I don't. I don't think we need the wind and the and the mist and the and the poison gas and. The, the track slipped through a tall cluster of buildings, which reminded Jake a little of Wall Street area in New York. When they cleared these, the track dipped to pass under what looked like an elevated road. That was when they saw the purple cloud and the crowd of people fleeing before it. Blaine, what's that? Jake asked, but he already knew. Blaine laughed, but made no other reply. The purple vapor drifted from gratings in the sidewalk and then smashed window and the smashed windows of deserted buildings, but most of it seemed to be coming from manholes like the one Gasher had used to get into the tunnels. Their iron covers had been blown clear by the explosions. They watched in silent horror as the bruised colored gas crept crept down the avenues and spread into the debris lit debris littered littered side streets. Wow, I can't talk today. It drove the inhabitants of Lud still interested in survival before it like cattle. Most were pubes, judging from their scarves, but Jake could see a few splashes of bright yellow as well. Old animosities had been forgotten, now that the end was finally upon them. And then we go into a nice, lovely description of what this gas is doing to people. Yeah, it's just death. It's death. Okay, it's death. It's... Yeah. Let's just think of uh, The Rock. I think I did a good enough description. The movie The Rock. Okay, I was about to say, you might want to clarify that for them. The Rock Johnson, yeah, okay? They're, they're Dwayne probably... The Rock Johnson. If he gets a hold of you, you're dead. <laughs> or it could, I'm referring to the, the classic. Yes. 1999, I don't know what year it came out. It's, it's a 90s movie, I think. The Rock, starring um, Nicolas Cage and... Sean Connery. Yeah, Sean Connery. That was what I was looking for. I remember Sean really enjoying this Connery. movie. But that, 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 those little gas things were horrible. Yay! They were horrible. Ahead, the monorail track disappeared into the oncoming purple fog. Eddie winced and held his breast as they plunged in, but of course it parted around them and no whiff of the death engulfing the city came to them. Looking into the streets below was like looking through a stained glass window into hell. Susanna put her face against his chest. Make the walls come back, Blaine, Eddie said. We don't want to see that. Blaine made no reply and the transparency around below remained. Hi. Yeah. Yep. It's not. Then uh, Blaine kind of directs them to look forward and we have a fancy map that pops up. Yay! Starting from Ludd, moving to Candleton, then to Rylea. Then to the Falls of the Hounds, very interesting. Then Dasherville, and finally Topeka. Topeka. Now I'm going to say that last turn between, I mean that Dasherville turn, <laughs> it's pretty sharp for how quickly they're moving. It's pretty freaking sharp, or it seems that way. You are looking at our route of travel. Although there are some twists and turns along the bunny trail, you will note that our course keeps firmly to the southwest along the path of the beam. The total distance is just over 8,000 wheels, or 7,000 miles, 
if you prefer that unit of measure. It was once much less, but that was before all temporal synapses began to melt down. What do you mean, temporal synapses? Wow, I said it the first time. <laughs> synapses, Susanna asked. Blaine laughed his nasty laugh, but did not answer her question. At my top speed, we will reach the terminating point of my run in eight hours and 45 minutes. 800 plus miles an hour over the ground, Susanna said. Her voice was soft with awe. Jesus God, which is probably the weirdest mix of a... I, <laughs> I mean... Okay. Yeah, I say sweet baby Jesus, I mean... Yeah, but usually you don't use both of them. Like, it's either goddamn or sweet baby Jesus, okay? It's not Jesus God. Sweet baby Jesus God. Okay, okay. there's a new one. <laughs> I am, of course, making the assumption that all trackage along my route remains intact. It has been nine years and five months since I bothered to make the run, so I can't say for sure. What happens if we come to a place the track is gone? Eddie asked. He realized he kept raising his voice to talk to Blaine as if he was speaking to somebody on the telephone and had a bad connection. At 800 miles an hour, Blaine sounded amused. See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile, don't forget to write. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Yeah? I love you ramped. You ramped it. It's like, if the track is missing, you ramp. It's, it's like the speed bus. When it came to that ramp, for some reason, it was like this. But when that bus came off the end of that thing, it went like this. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Sure. We're just going to believe that. It's a cool movie. We're just going to believe that. Here we'll go. It's exactly how it would go. Come on, Eddie said. Don't tell me a machine as sophisticated as you can't monitor your own trackage for breaks. Well, I could have, Blaine agreed. But, ah, shucks. I blew those circuits out when we started to move. Eddie's face was a picture of astonishment. Why? It's quite a bit more exciting this way, don't you think? Sure. Sure, I imminent death at any point. You never know. Yeah, much more exciting. Eddie, Susanna, and Jake were like, what the hell? And Roland's just like completely quiet and silent and doesn't, he's just nothing. Just on this fun psychopathic train. <laughs> How wonderful. Look closely as we leave the city and mark what you see, Blaine told them. Mark it very well. The invisible barony coach pour, bore them toward the notch in the wall. They passed through and as they came out the other side... Eddie and Susanna screamed in unison. Jake took one look and clapped his hands over his eyes. Oi began to bark wildly. Roland stared down, eyes wide, lips set in a bloodless line like a scar. Understanding filled him like bright white light. Beyond the great wall of blood, the real wasteland had begun. Yes. It's funny. The book is called Riddle... Or it's called The Wasteland. Yeah. It is called The Wasteland. We don't get to the wasteland till page four hundred and five. Well, it's because each time or each chapter, each step they've been taking through this, they're thinking this is the wasteland. I mean, we are thirteen pages from the end of the book, and now for the first time, Roland has realized. Nope, I thought that was the wastelands, but I was dead wrong. <laughs> this is the wastelands. Yeah, this is, uh, horrible. They've pretty much described hell in any movie you've ever seen it in. 
pretty much at some point. I may have that over if I did or not. I did. And of course, which Blaine decides, oh, you want to see it closer? Here, let me magnify it for you. Yeah, so you magnify what, like times 10 or times 4, 4 or something? I will apply 4 times magnification to the lower quadrant screens. For how far up they are, I feel like times 4 isn't a lot. We'll throw it out there. Because when do they say how high they are up or they are? Somewhere in here. Um, I don't know. It's also interesting. What's holding this up, Susanna cried. <laughs> the beam, of course. Blaine replied. All things serve it. You know. Look down and I will apply four times magnification. Blaine, I, I feel like you're lying. I'm just going to throw it out there. Pretty sure you're lying. <laughs> no. You're just magically floating on the beam. To which we get a lovely description of these things that are just flying around and just. I mean, we've got pictures of them. We, we do. Yeah, we for the in all the pictures that are way the hell back here, we yeah. finally see. I think they describe the the first picture first. The pterodactyls, yeah. Yes, and then they describe the second picture. So there's there's the pterodactyls. I don't know if I can get it to where it's not shining in the light. These are the things that they are describing down there. It's horrible. Don't know if you can see it. There's no reflection. If I, if I point it downward, if I do this, there's no reflection. <laughs> perfect. Yeah, perfect, it. perfect. I think you got. I think you managed it. Uh, yeah, just these these demon spawn things. Yeah, I forgot that we're way back here now. Yeah, we're at the back <laughs> of the book now. Just four oh six. There we go. Okay, so. <laughs> They passed above a fissure zigzagging along a north-south course like a dead riverbed. Except it wasn't dead. Deep inside lay a thin thread of deepest scarlet, pulsing like a heartbeat. Other small fissures branched out from this, and Susanna, who had read her Tolkien, thought, This is what Frodo and Sam saw when they reached the heart of Mordor. These are the cracks of doom. A fiery fountain erupted directly below them, spewing flaming rocks and stringy clots of lava upward. For a moment, it seemed they would be engulfed in flames. Jake shrieked and pulled his feet up on his chair, clutching oar to his chest. Don't worry, little trail hand, John Wayne drawled. Remember that you're seeing it under magnification. No. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to. And then we describe what I showed you, the second little things of grouping or ugliness the storks these terrible despicable things and good old eddie finally comments this was no nuclear war eddie said this this his thin horrified voice sound like a child nope blaney green it was a lot worse than that and it's not over yet we have reached the point where i usually power up have you seen enough Yes. Oh my god, yes. Well, see, essentially it is some version of nuclear war. Yes. I mean, at this point, whatever f far off future from us that the world finally yeah. went to crap, I'm sure they had more more horrible weapons. Let's go with that. And that's what happened. But essentially, just, just think nuclear war. Probably the best bet. Shall I turn off the viewers then? That cruel, teasing note was back in Blaine's voice. On the horizon, a jagged nightmare mountain ranged 
loomed out of the drain. The sterile peaks seemed to bite at the gray sky like fangs. Do it or don't do it, but stop playing games, Roland said. For someone who came to me begging a ride, you are very rude, Lane said sulkily. We earned our ride, Susanna replied. We solved your riddle, didn't we? Besides, this is what you were built for, Eddie chimed in, to take people places. Blaine didn't respond in words, but the overhead speakers gave out an amplified, cat-like hiss of rage that made Eddie wish he had kept his big mouth shut. The air around them began to fill in with curves of color. The dark blue carpet appeared again, blotting out their view from the fuming wilderness beneath them. The indirect lighting reappeared, and they were once again sitting in the barony coach. Let Eddie, let, I mean, let, let Roland do the talking, okay? Eddie, just you don't, you don't need to chime in either. Because this is what you were built for, to take people places. I mean, Eddie, in the end, yeah, but... Not, Jake even had the sense to go, maybe I shouldn't be asking a bunch of questions right now. Eddie has very little filter between brain and mouth. To which Susanna wants to know about the sound barrier. Yep. Uh, yep. Will we fill it? Susan asked uneasily. When it goes through the sound barrier, Eddie shook his head. Nope. Relax. I know something. Jake said suddenly. The others looked around, but Jake was not speaking to them. He was looking at the route map. Blaine had no face, of course. Uh, like Oz, the Great and Terrible. He was only a disembodied voice, but the map served as a focused point. I know something about you, Blaine. Is that a fact, little trail hand? Eddie leaned over, placed his lips against Jake's ear, and whispered, Be careful. We don't want him to know about the other voice. Jake nodded slightly and pulled away, still looking at the route map. I know why you released the gas and killed all those people. I know why you took us, too. And it wasn't because we solved your riddle. Blaine uttered his abnormal, distract laugh. That laugh they were discovering was much more unpleasant than either his bad imitations or melodramatic and somehow childish threats, but said nothing. Below them, the slow trench turned by and cycled up in steady thrum. Even with their view of the outside world cut off, the sensation of speed was very clear. You're planning to commit suicide, aren't you, Jake Held? Uh, aren't you? There's breaks in these things. You're planning to commit suicide, aren't you? Jake held Oi in his arms, slowly stroking him. And you want to take us with you. No, the little voice, the voice of little Blaine moaned. If you provoke him, you'll drive him to it. Don't you see? Ah. Well, let's see. Try to see if we need to read that little piece of oh. Pretty much the voice got cut off. Yeah. The lights began to flicker, and the shadows jumped up and down on the curved walls of the barony coach like uneasy phantoms. Yeah. See you later, alligator. <laughs> he's wildly laughing while he's saying this. That's That's creepy, okay? This is just creepy. After a while, crocodile... Don't forget to write. Uh, creepy train. <laughs> creepy train. Evil creepy train. Uh, 
at last. The laughter stopped, and the tear lights glowed steadily again. Would you like a little music? Blaine asked. I have over 7,000 concert in my library. Oh, that's not concert. Concerti? It's, um, concerti? Yeah. Fancy word. Uh, in my library, a sampling of over 300 levels. The concerti are my favorites, but I can also offer symphonies, operas, and a nearly endless selection of popular music. You might enjoy some Wagog music. Is that a real music? I think it is. I actually have heard of Wagog. Okay. But I could be just completely insane, too. So. Uh, the Wagog is an instrument something like the bagpipe. It is played on one of the upper levels of the tower. Wagog, Jake asked. Blaine was silent. What do you mean it's played on the upper levels of the tower, Roland asked. Blaine laughed, and it was silent. Have you got any ZZ Top? Eddie asked sourly. Because why not? Let's get some why? ZZ Top. Yes, indeed, that? Blaine said. How about a little tube snake boogie? Eddie of York. Eddie rolled his eyes. On second thought, I'll pass. Why? Roland asked abruptly. Why do you wish to kill yourself? Apparently it's not. <laughs> I don't know where I heard it from, but maybe it's an instrument that just has a similar name. You went ahead and confirmed it was a real okay, instrument? Yeah. You knew of it? I was, I'm insane. I told you not to listen to me. I'm insane. You already know these things. Well, it's no one listens to me. It's played on the, in the Dark Tower, apparently. Because he's in pain, Jake said darkly. I'm bored. Also, I am perfectly aware that I am suffering a degenerative disease which humans call going insane, losing touch with reality, going Looney Tunes, blowing a fuse, not playing with the full deck, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Okay. Repeated diagnostics checks have failed to reveal the source of the problem. I can only conclude that this is a spiritual malice beyond my ability to repair. One, no. Two, insane. And three, every time I hear etc. now. Etc. I think Et-cetera. of. Split. Because. Um, Hedwig. Always called the girl etc. Etc. That's what he named her pretty much. My little, my, my little etceteras right there were from some... There's a movie that uses it like that. It's like very angry and he just goes, etcetera, etcetera. What movie was that? I don't remember. I'm not going to remember. It's all right. I have yes. felt my mind growing steadily stranger over the years. Serving the people of Midworld became pointless centuries ago. Serving those few people of blood who wished to venture aboard became equally silly not long after. Yet I carried on until the arrival of David Quick, a short while ago. I don't remember exactly when that was. Do you believe, Roland of Gilead, Gilead, that machines may grow senile? I don't know. Roland's voice was distant, and Eddie only had to look at his face to know that even now, hurtling a thousand feet over hell, in the grip of a machine which had clearly gone insane, the gunslinger's mind had once more turned to his damn tower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In a way, I never stopped serving the people of blood, Blaine said. 
I served them even as I released the gas and killed them. Susanna said, You are insane if you believe that. Yes, but I'm not crazy, Blaine said, and went into another hysterical laughing fit. At last, the robot voice resumed. At some point, they forgot that the voice of the mono was also the voice of the computer. Not long after that, they forgot I was a servant and began believing I was a god. Since I was built to serve, I fulfilled their requirements and became what they wanted, a god dispensing both favor and punishment according to whim. Or random access memory, if you prefer. This amused me for a short while. Then, last month, my only remaining colleague, Patricia, committed suicide. He, he, either he really is going senile, Susanna thought, or his inability to grasp the passage of time is another manifestation of his insanity, or it's just another sign of how sick Roland's world has gotten. I was planning to follow her example when you came along, interesting people with a knowledge of riddles. You go. <laughs> yeah. You like mouth noises? <laughs> uh. Let's see. I was trying to see if there's anything important. Important here. Yeah, he explains it. The Blaine you're speaking to is 300 wheels, 300 miles back. We, we've left that. That Blaine's way back there. Blaine is not the train. Blaine is the computer system. Dun, dun, dun. Which, I mean, makes sense. That's how it's communicating with the computer. Banks under the city, he thought. If we could break that antenna off somehow. Unfortunately, I know this book was... Rented a long time ago. So good old um, uh, Stephen King of the time. I mean, that far in the future, guarantee it wasn't just a simple little antenna on, uh, on the front of the train that's sending radio waves back to itself. But that's Jake thinking. This is a kid. A kid seeing an antenna and but, going, maybe if no, we no, break well, that off. Well, my point is, that King wrote this for that. He said he remembered seeing an antenna. Oh, okay. Back in the day, he he could he couldn't have foreseen how technology was going oh, to evolve okay. in such a way that it, he's thinking of just how radio waves and yeah. stuff. That that is that world. That That's where sense. he currently lives. Yeah. Stephen King couldn't have thought how technology was going to be hundreds of years in the yeah. future. Probably let alone, he probably could have imagined some of the stuff we have now. My thought this moment is. Jake, you go in like 800 plus miles. How do you plan on getting out there to break this tonight anyway? Yeah, yeah that, that's my thought. <laughs> but you do intend to kill yourself no matter where the real is, you, is, don't you? Eddie persisted. No answer, but there was something cagey in that silence. How is he going to die when he crashes? Is he just going to commit suicide back there at the same time he crashes the, the train if he's not necessarily the train? Because when the train crashes, he won't die. He just explained that he wasn't the train. I don't know. I don't know, okay? When you, were you awake when we found you, Suzanne asked? You weren't, were you? 
I was running with the pubes called the God Drums on behalf of the Greys, but that was all. You would say I was dozing. Then why don't you just take us to the end of the line and go back to sleep? Because he's a pain, Jake repeated in a low mm-hmm. voice. Mm-hmm. Because there are dreams, Blaine said at exactly the same time and in the voice that was eerily like little Blaine's. Why didn't you end it all when Patricia destroyed herself? For that matter, if your brain and her brain are both part of the same computer, how come you both didn't step out together? Patricia went mad, Blaine said patiently, speaking as if he himself had not just admitted the same thing was happening to him. In her case, the problem involved equipment malfunction as well as spiritual malice. Such malfunctions are supposed to be impossible with slow trans technology. But of course, the world has moved on. Has it not, Roland of Gilead? Yes, Roland said. There is some deep sickness at the Dark Tower, which is the heart of everything. It's spreading. The lands below us are only one more sign of that sickness. I cannot vouch for the truth or falsity of that statement. My monitoring equipment in Inworld, where the Dark Tower stands, has been shut down for over 800 years. As a result, I cannot readily di- differentiate fact from wow. superstition. In fact, there seems to be very little difference between the two at the present time. It is very silly that it should be so, not to mention rude, and I am sure it has contributed to my own spiritual malice. The statement reminded Eddie of something Roland had said not so long ago. What might that have been? He groped for it, but could find nothing. Only a vague memory of the gunslinger speaking in an irritated way, which is very unlike his usual manner. Is it? I think you find Roland pretty annoying to quite often there, Eddie. But So pretty much we find that Patricia started just break having mental break mental breakdowns. And it annoyed Blaine. Yes. It he, he found it bothersome. So he decided to kind of isolate her off from everything in the computers. As far as that goes. So we get to good old Blaine. Ask me a riddle. Blaine invited. Not quite yet, Eddie said. You still haven't answered my original question. He gave Blaine a glance to a glance. A chance to respond. And then Nope. And when the computer's voice didn't do so, he went on. When it comes to suicide, I'm like pro-choice. But why do you want to take us with you? I mean, what's the point? Because he wants to, little Blaine said in a horrified whisper. Because I want to, Blaine said. Well, at least they're in agreement at the moment. That's the only reason I have, and it's the only reason I need to have. Now, let's get down to business. I want some riddles, and I want them immediately. If you refuse, I will wait until we get to Topeka. I'll do us all right here and now. Well, well, okay. However he wants to go about it, derailed the train somehow. And... That's one of my favorite parts of the book. Right, just right here, just... Good old Roland decides to respond to that. Yeah. Not particularly nicely. No. Um, F you, Roland said. Something along those lines. Um, he did not raise his voice. He might have told Blaine that a little Wagog would indeed be very nice. So pretty much he's like, 
nephew. Just a simple little. There was a shocked, horrified gasp from the overhead speakers. Little Blaine? Uh, what do you say? In its clear disbelief, the voice of Big Blaine had once again become very close to the voice of its unsuspecting twin. I said, F you. Rolla said calmly, but if that puzzles you, Blaine, I can make it clearer. No. The answer is no. What's our time? Time we're we currently. To which that shut them both up. Little Blaine, Big Blaine, they're like, nope, what? They, they had a couple minutes to kind of mill it over. Yeah, it kind of sounded like at the moment because what we will. No, no, what Blaine is used to getting. Not only that, but Blaine decides to not respond with words again. He decides to respond by making everything invisible again. It's very upset. He's very. He's a very upset train. So once again, the walls and floors and everything disappear, and he's like, "Hmm, perhaps I should derail us here." Blaine said. His voice was meditative, but beneath it, the gunslinger heard a deep, pulsing rage. Perhaps you should, the gunslinger said indifferently. He did not feel indifferent, and he knew it was possible the computer might read his feelings in his voice. Blaine had told them he had such equipment, although he was sure the computer could lie. Roland had no reason to doubt in this case. If Blaine did read certain stress patterns in the gunslinger's voice, the game was probably up. He was an incredibly sophisticated machine, but still a machine for all that. Roland was bluffing. Such a mistake could get them all killed. Good. You are rude and arrogant, Blaine said. <laughs> These may seem like interesting traits to you, but they are not to me. Eddie's face was frantic. He mouthed the words... What are you doing? <laughs> Rolla ignored him, get his hands full with Blaine, and he knew perfectly well what he was doing. Trust, trust the gunslinger. Trust the gunslinger. <laughs> there we go. Roland unfolded his hands and got to his feet slowly. He stood on what appeared to be nothing, legs apart, his right hand on his hip and his left hand on his saddlewood grip of his revolver. He stood as he had stood many times before in the dusty streets of hundreds of forgotten towns. Roland's ready. He's, he's in a duel with the train. <laughs> you go, Roland. The stench of killing the Then the battle rage descended, as it always did. And he was no longer really there to himself at all. I can call you a non... I guess this isn't there. Nonsensical. Yeah, yeah I know. Yeah. That's something I explained it more. But anyway, I can call you a nonsensical, empty-headed, foolish, arrogant machine. I can call you a stupid, unwise creature whose sense is no more than the sound of a winter wind in a hollow tree. Stop it. That sounds like a Pocahontas song. <laughs> Just around the river bend. Oh, jeez. Uh, stop it! Roland went on the same siren tone, ignoring Blaine completely. 
Unfortunately, I am somewhat restricted in my ability to be rude, since you are only a machine. What Eddie calls a gadget. I am a great deal more than just... Oh, and, then he gets and, and now, now we get a. He, you want to talk about rude? He, he, we get a lot more rude. Hmm. Some just stuff. I'm just not gonna say. Not gonna say. There's a lot more here. Roland's not particularly nice. Let's go with that. Uh, Roland paused for breath. His three companions were holding theirs all around them, suffocating. Suffocating. Was Blaine the motto? Was Blaine the motto's thunderstruck silence. I can call you a faceless creature who let your companion kill herself, a coward who was delighted in the torture of the foolish and the slaughter of the innocents, I, a lost and bleeding mechanical goblin who. I command you to stop or I'll kill you right here! Just turn into Thor there for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Which Thor? <laughs> anyway, um, yes. Roland's eyes blazed, blazed with such wild blue fire that Eddie shrank away from him. Dimly, he called Jake and Susanna's gasp. He heard, "Yeah, kill if you will, but command me nothing." The gunslinger roared. You have forgotten the face of those who've made you. Now either kill us or be silent and listen to me. Roland of Gilead, son of Stephen, gunslinger and lord of the ancient lands, I have not come across all these miles and all these years to listen to your childish prating. Prating. I don't know. Do you understand? Now you will listen to me. There was a moment of shocked silence. No one breathed. Roland stared sternly forward, his head high, his hands on the butt of his gun. I mean, does he actually plan on shooting it, or is he just really comfortable that his way? confidence, okay. <laughs> I don't think shooting it would be well. It'd probably just bounce off a blade. I don't know, it's a pretty no. powerful gun. But still, I can't imagine. Talk would do a lot. It's not threatening to the train. No. Which, of course, Susanna, she realized that she's gone from just horror to amazement. And then Eddie's done the same thing. And Jake, of course, is just googly-eyed. Just like, ooh. I'm proud. After a long, long moment, Blaine asked, Did they Oh, no. no, We gotta go back. I have to go back. (laughs) Where is... Yeah, I mean, now that I'm here... Tell him, Jake breathed. Walk it to him, right? You better pay attention, Eddie agreed. He really doesn't give much of a rat's butt, Blaine. They didn't call him the Mad Dog of Gilead for nothing. And then that's it. Uh, I don't they, remember ever once. Because no one ever called him the Mad Dog of Gilead. This is Eddie just making up something. The Mad Dog of Gilead. Oh. After a long, long moment, Blaine asks, Did they call you so, Roland, son of Stephen? It may have been so, Roland agreed, standing calmly in the thin air. Uh, what good are you to me if you won't tell me riddles, Blaine asked. Now he sounded like a grumbled, sulky child who has been allowed to stay up long past his usual bedtime. I didn't say we wouldn't, Roland said. No, Blaine sounded bewildered. Uh, I do not understand yet. I don't understand. 
Yet voice print analysis indicates a rational discourse. Please explain. You said you wanted them right now, Roland replied. What, what was I... What? What? Uh, that was what I was refusing. Your eagerness has made you unseemly. I don't understand. It has made you rude. Do you understand that? There was a long, thoughtful silence. Then, if what I struck you as... If what I said struck you as rude, I apologize. There's lots of words. There are lots of words, but if you only read half of them, you can move so much quicker. <laughs> so, we've gotten the first apology out From of the train. train. Because the one thing the train doesn't like is rudeness. And now he's being accused of being rude. Which, I mean, granted, he's probably... <laughs> yeah. But... And he, so he apologizes. It is accepted, Blaine, but there is a larger problem. Explain. Close the carriage again, and I will. So, Blaine actually listens to him. He's definitely got his I mean, attention. things have turned to Roland's favor. In a strange way, Roland's in charge now. Just at the moment, Roland's completely in charge of everything. All right, Roland said. Rudeness is forgivable, Blaine. So I was taught in my youth, and the clay has dried in the shapes left by the artist's hands. But I was also taught that stupidity is not. How have I been stupid, Roland of Gilead? Gilead, why don't you just... You refuse to say it? You refuse to say it right. Gilead. Blaine's voice was soft and ominous. Susanna suddenly thought of a cat crouched outside a mouse hole tail swishing back and forth, green eyes shining. We have something you want, Roland said, but the only reward you offer if we give it to you is death. That's very stupid. There was a long, long pause as Blaine thought this over. Then, (laughs) what you say is true, Roland of Gilead, but the quality of your riddles is not proven. I will not reward you with your lives for bad riddles. Roland nodded. I understand, Blaine. Listen now and take understanding from me. And we find out what Roland tells Blaine about Fair Day. Which is mostly stuff we've already heard before. Yes. The riddling where they put the barrel in the middle and they pull things out of the barrel. and He's just explaining this to the train. What it is and what's going on with it. And he first he explains to him that the reason why they did this is because it apparently helped the crops grow. Yeah, that's superstition? That is superstition with no bias at all, in fact. I find it annoying and upsetting. Of course it's superstition, but you might be surprised at how well the riddles foresaw the crops. For instance, riddle me this, Blaine. What is the difference between a grandmother and a granary? 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 I don't know. I'm not sure either. That is a very... Old and not very interesting, Blaine said. But he sounded happy to have something to solve just the same. Uh, one is one's born kin. The other one's the other is one's corn bin. A riddle based on phonetic 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 coincidence. Another lots of words. Yeah, lots of big words. Another of this type. One told on the level which contains the barony of New York, goes like this. What is the difference between a cat and a complex sentence? Jake spoke up. 
Our English teacher told us this one year. Whatever. A cat has claws at the end of its paws, and a complex sentence has a pause at the end of its claws. That one I've heard. I never heard that in my life. But never? Never not Aww. once. I, man, come on. You, you're, yeah, I know. You're sheltered. Come on. Sheltered, sheltered over child. here. Not a sheltered. Different people. Yes, Blaine agreed. A very silly old riddle. For once, I agree with you, Blaine, old buddy. I said. Stop calling this thing your buddies. Not your buddy. Not your buddies or friends or anything. I would hear more of Faraday riddling in Gilead. Roland, son of Stephen, I find it quite interesting. To which he continues to explain. Three judges, one always a gunslinger, would pass on these when they were told aloud, and they were accepted only if the judges deemed them fair. Yes, riddles must be fair, Blaine agreed. So they riddled. Um. <laughs> uh. Go through riddle after riddle, and it's like, oh, and if uh, the one guy fell... And was the same riddle asked of the next man in line? Yes. So that man had extra time to think. Yes. I see. It sounds pretty swell. Roland frowned. Swell? He, he means it sounds like fun, Susanna said quietly. Roland. Well, he don't understand these fancy words, okay? Words like swell. Uh, good Roland. Good old Roland. It was fun for the onlookers, I suppose, but the contestants took it very seriously, and there were quite often arguments and fistfights after the contest was over and the prize had been awarded. What prize was that? The largest goose and barony, and year after year my teacher court carried that goose home. He must have been a great riddler, Blaine said respectfully. I wish he were here. That makes two of us, Roland thought. Now I come to my proposal, Roland said. I will listen with great interest, Roland of Gilead. Let these next hours be our fair day. You will not riddle us, for you wish to hear new riddles, not tell some of those millions you must already know. Correct. We couldn't solve most of them anyway, Roland went on. I'm sure you know riddles that would have stumped even court, had they been pulled out of the barrel. He was not sure of it at all, but the time to use the fist had passed, and the time for open hand had come. Of course, Blaine agreed. I propose that instead of a goose, our lives shall be the prize. We will riddle you as we run, Blaine. If, when we come to Topeka, you have solved every one of our riddles, you may carry out your original plan and kill us. That is your goose. But if we stump you, if there is a riddle in either Jake's book or one of our heads which you don't know and can't answer, you must take us to Topeka and then free us to pursue our quest. That is our goose. Silence. Do you understand? Yes. Do you agree? More silence from Blaine the Mono. Uh, they waited while Blaine, the real Blaine, now far behind them, living his quasi-life beneath the city, where all the inhabitants lay dead by his hand, considered Roland's proposal. Yes, Blaine said at last. I agree. If I solve all the riddles you ask me, I will take you with me to the place where the path ends in the clearing. If one of you tells a riddle I cannot solve, I will spare your lives and take you to Topeka, where you will leave the mono and continue your quest for the Dark Tower. Have I understood the terms and limits of your proposal correctly, Roland, son of Stephen? Yes. Very well, Roland of Gilead. 
Very well, Eddie of New York. Very well, Susanna of New York. Very well, Jake of New York. Very well, Oi of Midworld. Oi looked up briefly at the sound of his name. You are Cotet, one made from many. So am I, whose Cotet is the stronger is something we must now prove. I love he addresses Oi. Or has anything to do with this at all. Oi, Ritalin, nobody. Hey, Oi has the best riddles. There was a moment of silence, broken only by the steady hard throb of the slow trans turbines, bearing them on across the wastelands, bearing them on towards Topeka, the place where Midworld ended and Endworld began. So, cried the voice of Blaine, cast your nets, wanderers, try me with your questions, and let the contest begin. And that is the end of the third book where literally we're just kind of on a train just this giant it just ends it just ends and so like ah and we had talked about this a little bit beforehand that could you imagine could you imagine having read this book when it came out and then had that cliffhanger you reached it and you're like no I need to know what happened and we found out this one was published in 92. So we're like, okay, so when was the next one published? How long would these people had to have waited for Wizards in Glass? Too long. <laughs> you want to tell our lovely audience? Five years. Five solid years. Yes. It came out in 1997. Now the real question is, how the heck are we doing this one? They're all in parts, and it's just solid chunks. But they're not many parts. It's like, oh, the prologue to part one is 11 pages. <laughs> part one to part two is 100 pages. Part two to part three is 220 pages. And part three to part four is almost 300 pages. That sounds about right. So I have no idea how we're doing this. We'll have to figure it out. Prepare for our three-hour episodes of I can't, even, I can't even tell you if you wanted to like go along with us a little bit. It'll have to be something we figure out and let you guys know along the way. I again. can say that we might, if we get real lucky, you can read like probably up to page like 60 or something. That's at least the first halfway through. There's no way we're going further than that. I don't think we'll get that far. But if you're keeping along with us, which you might be, doubt it but if you are then just you could just read it to about page page 60 and uh you'll be able to at least discuss what, what we're doing it is time to shelve you against again <gasps> little buddy you shall join the ranks of our already completed so <laughs> so the next one is wizards and glass wizards and glass so if you guys do want to read along with us, that is the one you will be looking for. Yeah, the Dark Book Tower, four. Volume 4. We are 4 out of 7 slash we're get, 8. We're, we're getting there, we're getting there, we're moving 7 forward. out of slash 8. <laughs> 7, 8, 7, 8, somewhere around there. 7 and a half. Some people say 7 and a half, some people say 8. So, right. mm, Technically, it is a book. Off sideways a little bit, but it's there. Anyways, hope you enjoyed uh, 
The Wasteland. Hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, throw a like on it down there in the corner. That'd be appreciated. Uh, leave a comment down below. Let us know what you thought about the video, the book, the ending, and what's going on there. Meow. Subscribe to the channel because we'd appreciate that. But other than that, anything? Nope. Well, as always, you can reach me at Stars on Travel, reach Amanda at KZ Pup, reach the show at Beyond Our Focus, practically anywhere, including YouTube and podcast services around the globe. Maybe. Maybe. Texas? Texas? What? <laughs> I usually say Sweden. I know! <laughs> what does Texas have to do with anything? Because the last time we were looking, you said something about Texas, but that was I for saying anything about Texas. Uh, Anchor. I said, I said California. California. Californians are our number one state. Oh, okay. Well, then California. California. I don't know what happened to Sweden, but California. It's, it's, it's up there. Out of countries, it's it's like in like third or fourth place. It exists. Someone there is listening to a little bit. Sweden. I mean, according to Anchor, we have four people that listen to our podcast. We just have no idea who they are or where they are, but... Yeah. If, I mean, if you're one of those people and you magically get to the end of this, we'd love to know who you are. Give Come us a name. Us. Give us a Twitter handle we can call you by. I mean, all I've got at the moment is Kit Kat. We will shout you out. Like, we do Kit Kat a lot. Because he's the only person I can refer to. I'm shout just... out, not call you out. Cause Either we, one. You haven't done anything wrong. Yet. <laughs> Anyways. I think we were ending this. I think that's where we yes, were. Yes, yes, somewhere around there. <laughs> Alrighty. Till next time, long days and pleasant nights.